The text for the sermon this day is taken from all three scripture readings that you heard earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So the year the king Uzziah died, Isaiah sees the Lord, high and exalted, on his throne, the train of his robe filling the temple. Now if you want to know who King Uzziah is, you can read about him in 2 Kings. And in fact, if you've been following along with the congregation at prayer or the daily scripture meditations on Facebook, we actually read about Uzziah back in, I think, December. I know, that was a long time ago. But, maybe you might remember. But the whole detail of Uzziah is to let you know when this happened. Isaiah sees the Lord. And his, the train of the robe, the, the length of it, the fact that it fills the temple is to let you know the, the level of his glory. The longer the robe of an individual, the greater the glory. And given that it filled the temple, this is a way of saying that his glory is infinite. And so, because as the, his, his glory is infinite, you have the seraphim, these, the flaming ones, that literally means, these angels. Six wings they have, two they fly, two they cover their eyes, two that covered their feet and is up to discussion as to what that means but the covering of the eyes why because they could not gaze upon Yahweh of hosts so great is his glory they could not look upon him so their eyes were covered with wings so he hears those words holy 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 is the Lord of hosts. The earth is filled with his glory. What is Isaiah's reaction? Very appropriate. It doesn't say whether or not he dropped to his knees or not, but I imagine that's what he did, is he fell to his face saying, Woe am I, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. For I have seen Yahweh of hosts. Which, by the way, whenever you read the Old Testament, if you see Lord in all capital letters, just automatically say in your brain, Yahweh. That is God's name that he should forever be known by. That's what he told Moses in the burning bush. But Yahweh of hosts, he's seen it. And he knows who he is. He is a sinner. He dwells among sinners. And he does not deserve to be in the presence of the holy God. And the only thing he should expect is death and destruction because he is not righteous. God is the definition of righteousness. And so God uses his servants, those seraphims, they take a, a burning coal from the altar and they press it to the lips of Isaiah because what did he say? His lips were unclean. So naturally, it touches his lips and his sin is purged away. And so he says, 
God says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? He says, here am I. Send me. Now let's go forward into the future about 600 years. They're on the lake of Gennesaret. Sometimes it's a Sea of Galilee. And if you're wondering, which was right? Is it Sea of Galilee? Is it the Lake of Gennesaret? It's both. It's just different names. But they're on the boat. Jesus' popularity is soaring. Because he, is, he was baptized in the Jordan River. John the Baptist had a huge crowd, so they saw him baptized. They heard the voice. And now he's been doing miracles, healing people, casting out demons... His popularity is soaring. He couldn't even stay on the shore. So huge was the crowd that he had to go step into Simon Peter's boat in order to preach. Well, at some point, he realized, decides, you know what, let's go fishing. And they go out into the sea. And he tells them, throw the net out to the side. Peter tells him. They have been fishing all night. They haven't caught anything. And yet, at his word, Peter does what Jesus asks. Now, we don't know how this happened. We don't know. Maybe the fish were hearing Jesus' sermon, and it was so good that they were listening, and they were right there. We don't know how it happened. And I say that because sometimes there's a... I don't know if you ever saw the Bible miniseries. Or the movie, The Son of God. Just so you know, they are not very accurate to the Bible. They're very, very, very poor. And the way they do this whole scene is when Jesus does it, before they cast it out, he swirls in the water like he's Yoda and he's using his Jedi powers to summon the, the fish. Or maybe he's Dumbledore or Harry Potter, your choice. But that's what they do. They try to mysticize Jesus. We don't know exactly how he did it. All we know is that by the time that that net was pulled up, it was overflowing with fish to the point that the nets were beginning to break. And what does Peter do? He does what Isaiah did. Because in that moment, he is catching a glimpse of the reality that the one who is in his boat is the exact same one who was on the throne of God, high and exalted before Isaiah. This is Yahweh of hosts in his boat. And so Peter falls to his face and says, Depart from me, for I am sinful. Jesus' reaction? From now on, you will be catchers of men. All right, let's go farther forward. February 6, 2022. If you're wondering when that is, it's today. So just, if you're trying to figure out what date it is. So February 6, 2022, here we are. Guess what? Just like Peter, just like Isaiah... You are in the presence of a holy and righteous God. In fact, we sang that, old, that hymn at the very beginning. It's an old hymn. It's one of those hymns that whenever I sing it, 
automatically my brain transports to Christ Lutheran Church in Wolf Lake, Minnesota, where I, for some reason I remember opening many, many worship services out of the old red hymnal singing that one. God himself is present. Let us now adore him. Singing, confessing. Yes, God is present in the world. He's everywhere. But here in this place, as we gather together, he is present in a very special way. He's present in your brothers and sisters as we are gathered together. But even more, he, even also, he is, get, he is present as you hear the word spoken. He is present in the bread and the wine. God himself is present here amongst us. In fact, this altar, it represents the throne of God. This is why whenever we approach the altar, we bow. Recon it is an act of reverence towards our God, recognizing that he is present in a very specific, in a very special way. But you see, we too are sinful. We too could, could say, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, or woman of unclean lips. We could say, Depart from me, for I am sinful. Or, quite often we come in and we think, ah, This is just, there's nothing different about here and outside. You know, I can, I can experience God in the, in the boat. What's the difference? I can experience him anywhere. Which, by the way, there's kind of this idea that I want to, in order for God to be present, we must feel it. This is one of those things the devil wants us convinced. That unless I feel God, he's not really present. That's, our, that's what we have convinced our mind. Pontius Pilate, when he stood before Jesus, do you think he felt the presence of God? No, because if he did, he would not have sentenced Jesus to crucifixion. But was, Jesus, was God present? Yes, he was talking to him. He didn't feel it. Does that mean? So, but he was there nonetheless. In fact, there are count Judas walked around with Jesus for several years. And he did not realize who he was. So has nothing, God himself is present as we gather. Why? Because he said he would be present. Where two or three gather in my name, there I am amongst them. He says that this is my body, this is my blood. He is present in his word. He's present amongst one another. So we trust not our emotions, trust not our feelings, but we trust God's word. He is present. But again, he's holy. You are not. I am not. I am a person of unclean lips. You are people of unclean lips. The things that you say, words that do not build up, words that 
are meant to tear down, ruin reputations. Words of anger, words of bitterness, words of gossip. And we dwell amongst people of unclean lips. We love to hear gossip. We love to hear the way that people talk. We indulge in it. Look at what social media is like. When people feel like they're guarded by anonymity, they will say just about anything they can. Twitter is kind of a place of, it's just a cesspool of negativity. Now there's good things on all those places, but there's a lot of not so good. We are people of unclean lips, and since we're using computers, might as well add fingertips. And we dwell amongst people of unclean lips. Woe are we. And so we gather into this place. We hear God, we hear the, we sing that song, glory to God in the highest, or this is the feast of victory for our God. You hear the scriptures read as God's word is read. He is coming to you. This is his presence. He is present in his holy word. You hear the sermon. And then in the old, I mean, use the old TLH service a little bit here, that, the old red hymnal. Right after the sermon, as we're mindful of the fact that God is present, we're mindful of his holiness, his righteousness, we say the words of Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God. And then we sing the Sanctus, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of Sabaoth. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Does that sound familiar? You know, we just heard it in Isaiah 6. There's a reason why we sing that even if, whether it's a, a contemporary version or a traditional version, we're singing that because we better get used to it because you're going to be singing it in heaven, all right? Because it's in there in Isaiah, it's in Revelation as well. So we're just singing the words of heaven. But when you say those words, we are acknowledging, we say, therefore the angels, archangels, all the company of heaven, and then we say, holy, 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 we're acknowledging, we're confessing that God himself is present. And so the next words are Hosanna, 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 which literally means save us now because I am in the presence of a holy and righteous God. We pray the Lord's prayer, which says, forgive us our trespasses. Now it's forgive us who are of unclean lips. We, for, as we forgive those who trespassed against us. Now it's forgiving those who have used unclean lips against us. And then we say, Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, grant us your peace. You hear it as we are, we are begging of God's mercy because we are in the presence of a holy and righteous God and we are sinners. And so we come to this altar. We drop to our knees if we're able to. 
we drop to our knees in humility, broken by our sin. And our God, just as he did for Isaiah, through his servant, takes from the altar a piece of bread. And he says, take, eat. This bread is the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when that bread touches your lips, your sin is purged away. Just as that burning coal purged the sin of Isaiah. And so again, through his servant, he says, take, you drink. This is the blood of Jesus Christ given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And again, when that wine touches your lips, your sin is purged. You are forgiven. You who come with unclean lips, your lips are cleansed. You are made righteous. You are made holy by God's action through means. Just as he worked through the means of coal, burning coal, now he works through the means of bread and wine or the water and the word and baptism. Through these means, through the word when it touches your ears, through these means, he delivers the forgiveness of sins unto you. And through that bread, he is giving himself. So when you say God himself is present, he is present in that bread. In other words, the one who is in the boat, the one who is on the throne before Isaiah, he is in that bread. He is in that wine for your forgiveness. Now when we receive the Lord's Supper, we get done, we say, go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. What good news? We go to the seat and... I know maybe we're trying to get over the wine. It's a reason to smile. I know if we ever really think about that, right there, you just tasted, received God himself. Your sin is purged away. We should be smiling, not giddy like the joker or anything, but just smile, happy, joyous, what you've received. But after this, this Lord's Supper, we sing a song, sometimes. Thank the Lord and sing his praise. What's the next words? Tell everyone what he has done. Isaiah, after his sins were purged, he was sent forth to deliver God's message. Peter, he was told to be catchers of men. And this is where the reading from 1 Corinthians comes in. So we have, we follow what's known as a, a lectionary. So we have a schedule of readings every single Sunday as to what is read. Now I should note that the lectionary is not divinely inspired. I say that because sometimes it stops at weird spots, such as today. Today, probably to shorten up the epistle lesson so the service doesn't get too long, they cut, out, they cut off right at verse 20. But I wish they hadn't because verse 20 gives us some very good details that perfectly connect with the other two readings 
and also explain what was going on in the first, the other verses. So verse 20, it says, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues, and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. And even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. And by the way, that's letting you know, tongues just means other languages. So today, if I said we are speaking in tongues, that would mean that you're randomly speaking in Spanish, German, Swahili, whatever. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Well, prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? So this is why we do not do our services in Latin or German or Finnish. That's what it was in my church that we were growing up, that I grew up, the Christ Lutheran Church. They were in Finnish for many years. But if all prophesy, by the way, prophesy does not mean to tell the future, Prophesy merely means to speak words of God, to deliver a message of God. So in other words, when you hear prophecies, so if you hear, should hear, but if all speak words of God and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all, just as Paul and Peter was convicted by the presence of Jesus in the boat. Just as Isaiah was the pre convicted by Yahweh of hosts on the throne, so also we are convicted. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. See, we, our sin has been purged away. You've been made righteous. But you're still here because you are catchers of men. You are fishers of men. You are the ones who God sends forth into the world. Hence the reason that talents, uh, times and talent survey. So think of ways how you can serve that mission of being catchers of men. Bearing the gospel, speaking the words unto others because we do indeed dwell amongst the people of unclean lips and the only cure is the blood of Jesus shed on the cross and you are the ones, the means, the servants by whom he delivers that message so that they may hear, come, have their sin purged away. This is why we are here. That is the purpose of everything we do is to draw others to him, that, his, that their sin may be purged away, and they may join in us, worshiping the one true God. Till that day comes, to him be all glory. Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who calls you, saves you, and sends you, keep you in the one true faith, the life everlasting. Please stand as we confess the creed together.